A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to the PH Nutrition podcast. My name is Luke. I'm one of the coaches here at PH Nutrition, and today I am, of course, as always, joined by the man himself, Liam Holmes. Liam, how are you doing today? Very well, mate. As we were just talking off air, I asked you to intro it today because um, I can't get over this cold and I feel like I'm just so nasally. Um, but I'm feeling good. I feel like I feel okay. Just sounds like you're underwater, which is yeah. so fun. We'll do some magic in the post-production to make you sound yeah, more underwater. Uh, well, now people won't know that because this is you know they won't hear me pre. Um, studio sound editing from, from, from you. I intend to make you sound much worse so that I sound better. <laughs> That's what I intend yeah. to do. Um, but Ace, today what we've got is a pretty exciting research review, actually. It's a, uh, a paper that came out towards the end of last year uh, that was getting a little bit of buzz in the nutrition social media world. Um, it's called The Anabolic Response to Protein Ingestion During Recovery from Exercise has no upper limit in magnitude and duration in vivo in humans. Bit of a mouthful there. To break that down, basically, it's it's a study that's kind of almost thrown a cat among the pigeons with regards to protein absorption, I guess, and uh, like single boluses of protein absorption. How much can we actually absorb of protein as humans? Because previously, um, there was a lot of kind of rhetoric behind we can only take on so much protein in a certain dose and once you get past sort of 25 grams 40 grams or whatever it might be uh the amino acids that you take on are oxidized and don't go towards muscle protein synthesis or anabolism or anything like that this study essentially says actually that's not the case there's potentially a bit of a dose response relationship to the amount of protein you're taking on and the anabolic response um it's pretty interesting it was as i said came out last year uh, what they essentially did, it's a relatively simple study as well when you really break it down, um, was they got a group of subjects, quite young subjects, and they got them to do resistance training and they split them into three groups and they essentially gave each of these groups either uh, no protein, so like a placebo um, drink that, that was designed to be similar to these ones, uh, a milk-based drink with 25 grams of protein and a milk-based drink with 100 grams of protein. Um, they used stable isotope tracking tracing on certain amino acids in there. So that was uh, 
leucine and phenyl alanine uh, and they, they did they took muscle biopsies as well to look at a bunch of different biomarkers for like um, muscle protein synthesis and that kind of stuff. They then took blood draws uh, repeatedly, consistently across 12 hours to basically look at the amount of kind of amino acids in blood plasma, that sort of thing. And what they discovered um, was that there was this dose response where um, the anabolic response when you have 100 grams of protein versus 25 grams is both bigger and longer. They found that the amino acids um, in the plasma remained kind of elevated for a longer period of time with that higher dose, uh, which goes against the kind of belief of, oh, it'll just be oxidized and we'll pee it out or whatever. Um, and they found that kind of these marks of cell signaling as well were increased in um, the higher dose of the protein as well, basically saying uh, we can, in fact, absorb more and it might be better. And I'm saying might, obviously, for muscle protein synthesis if we take in larger amounts of protein post-training liam isn't it yeah like you say it's i think it's such a it's such a cool study to have now on you know in this world where i think it opens up a lot more for future for future research in terms of you know like we kind of talking off air like we now need to kind of maybe go back and re and, and revisit some of the studies that have been done on higher protein intakes and can you know or, or include a higher bolus dose such as 100 grams or you know whatever and and do it alongside some of these other studies which may be kind of regular uh, regular feedings across the day matching kind of total protein intake with you know like one or two doses of of higher amounts compared to like regular feedings so uh, it, it's great but we just want to put the brakes on everybody going, oh, well, that just means I just need to eat 100 grams. No, this is this is definitely the first step in terms of, you know, opening up in the future avenues to be able to potentially have a little bit more flexibility mm. in protein intake patterns. Now, I'll hold my hands up like this. We, I definitely have promoted and, you know, encouraged people to have regular feedings of protein. And this isn't saying that you shouldn't do that like that's still a positive thing to say you know, stop muscle protein breakdown and enhance protein synthesis we're just saying that this might offer a, an alternative option potentially or a tiny bit of flexibility that's what that's the kind of one of the implications that i see um so we'll talk about a bit about fasting we'll talk about kind of like other dietary patterns in a minute uh, but like i think we've referenced this on on previous podcasts is that we knew protein doesn't just get you know, after 25 grams or 40 grams, it doesn't just like disappear and get oxidized. Like we knew it would be used for something, you know, maybe used for other, you know, metabolic processes in the body. But this is a really nice thing to see that actually, you know, there is a real efficacy in terms of what we're, what we're using protein to do in terms of helping that anabolic response. So like, I, I think it's, I think it's a useful thing uh, to have. So, uh, so yeah, like, would you, Luke, would you take on like maybe not a hundred grams, but some meals sometimes would you be up around 60, 75 grams or would you kind of very much be like regular patterns, regular feedings? Yeah. So know? I, uh, historically used to, cause obviously the kind of previous, um, I guess way of thinking was, uh, that, you know, three to four, three to five, maybe protein doses, I guess, per day are going to be more beneficial for muscle protein synthesis than sort of one to two. 
um, I would historically space it out quite evenly. And I'd kind of rarely go above sort of 50 grams of main meals. And then I'd probably be having in sort of snacks, shakes, that kind of thing, 20 to yeah. 30, um, yeah. and break it down in that way. Uh, it is interesting that there may be obviously um, a chance now to, to increase protein dose. But I think what we need to kind of think about as well is what impact it kind of has away from training, if that makes sense. Because this study was very much, here's the feed post-resistance training. So I think you also kind of need to do a study and looking at, okay, what happens to the um, amino acids, the amount that you're taking in, uh, if there's no kind of resistance training stimulus before that. Uh, Obviously, we know that kind of there's a couple of things that stimulate muscle protein synthesis, training and protein feeds, which was kind of why, why... they used to advise or probably still do. I mean, it's not enough to change, you know, current um, recommendations or whatever. Uh, but it's why kind of three to four boluses across the day tended to be better for the most part for overall muscle protein synthesis because you were essentially just getting more hits of muscle protein synthesis. Um, the time between feeds was so almost small that muscle protein breakdown couldn't outweigh synthesis. So I think yeah. we need to look into, obviously, okay, what about without training? Do we still see the um, elevated plasma amino acid levels for longer? Do we kind of still see that potential benefit? And then it becomes more of an interesting one. But I think now, if you are someone that you know struggles to get a ton of protein in throughout the day because you're busy or that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's easier to get a big hit in post-training of, mm-hmm. say, 100 grams, uh, which, to be honest, will still be pretty hard to get in. Uh, yeah. Then it could, yeah, offer some some real benefits there. I think. I think you're right there in terms of. Then, if we could, you know, replicate the study, utilize it at different times, like I say, not just in that post-exercise window. I think that, I, I obviously, I think that there's going for me. I think there's going to be similar, not similar outcomes, but there's still going to be an elevated, uh, consistently high elevated. Uh, you know, I mean, a massive pool. Yeah. So if, if that's the case, and even if it's not the case, right, utilizing this information from a practical standpoint, you could, for example, if you know that you are back to back in meetings all day, you train in the morning, you have a big bolus dose of protein. Instead of you then potentially, you know, going six, seven hours because you're, you know, in this whatever meetings, work, you know, environment. Where you don't have access to food, then you could ensure that you are taking control of that kind of protein synthesis kind of side of things and, and providing your body with the, you know, the protein and amino acids that's required to help you recover, as opposed to kind of, you know, potentially going into that, you know, negative protein balance. So I think there's a practical application there for coaches that maybe work long hours back to back. Maybe, I don't know what your thoughts are, maybe even let's say something on a pre bed. Um, feed of, I know that casein and, uh, and other protein nighttime feeds they actually do encourage I think the same author actually did something where it's like you need a minimum of 40 grams as opposed to about 25 grams so maybe something pre-bed where you're you know obviously this is a 12 hour window so if you're having this feed at you know 8pm you know are you going to even further enhance kind of nighttime adaptations by having an elevated kind of protein you know, amino acid pool and protein synthesis overnight, as opposed to just having a 40 gram feed. I think that would be something I'd be very interested in. Uh, Definitely. Because obviously that is a time where you, you know, it is challenging to get food in. Um, unless you're old school bodybuilder waking up in the middle of the night to chug a shake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's uh, a... people do that. Like we used to do that, yeah, didn't they? they? So, um, you know, is there is there efficacy in terms of you know getting that bigger feed in to to let's say offset that? So I think, yeah, go on. No, 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 no go on. I was just going to say, yeah, I think potentially, and I think what was interesting in this study as well, because often when um, people talk about kind of big feeds, they get worried about the insulin response um, and whether that's kind of elevated for long periods of time. So you get that insulin resistance. Uh, and this study tracked that as well, which is uh, quite interesting and, and useful to note. They tracked, obviously, glucose levels and insulin after the um, taking on of the protein. And they found a significant rise in insulin within sort of the 60-minute window after you take it on with the 100 grams of protein compared to the 25 grams. But you'd expect that. You'd expect yeah. I'm taking on more, basically. Um, so there's going to be a bigger jump in insulin. Uh, but they found that there wasn't. Um, an increase over a long period of time like it's came back to normal levels very very relatively similar quickly. to relatively quickly yeah. yeah 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 so it's one of those where like yeah. you then also would not need to worry about that aspect of it of having a big feed before bed um if it was obviously a, a yeah. heavy high protein feed so mm. there's definitely definitely potential there so it's it's kind of just open the doors obviously you've got people on social media going crazy being like it's changed the way that we think about protein and it has a little bit i guess but it's more just open doors to more questions and okay so if this is now the case if this is what we know and and the excess protein isn't oxidized how do we then look at how that translates in a practical setting to um muscle protein synthesis and all that kind of good stuff that we want to look into and i think look asking these questions about okay away from training before bed do you get that kind of benefit from recovery that sort of thing is where the research should go now and it probably will because um if we're asking these questions so are the much smarter people doing the research yeah 100 they it, it was a, a protein only feed i think mm. as well wasn't it it wasn't you know mixed macronutrients so there wasn't any carbs or or like other fats or other kind of like say macronutrients involved in it so you know maybe further down the line there would be you know even you know more insight in terms of a more practical application so it's like is it like a really big high protein feed such as i don't know you know like you know minced beef with potato or rice and you know guacamole or something like an actual meal that maybe people would eat um, and then seeing the response compared to just a single protein feed, I think you know we always like. I think people now are doing a little bit more kind of practical application studies, but it would be like I say, there are just more and more things, and we could go on and on and around and around the houses, couldn't we, about it? So the other one that there might be uh, very good insight into is if you are intermittent fasting. Mm. So again, one of the things that we find is that when there's people are doing fasting um, you can do it in the correct way you can do it in the incorrect way but having that longer period where you're not consuming protein uh, you know depending on your goal it can it can maybe blunt your progress so if you're having that big bolus dose feed before your fasting window would that be you know are you going to see better results so because obviously protein synthesis is going to be higher so yeah I th- I th- like you say I think there's really really good really good first step in terms of you know where hopefully the research is going to go now to to kind of give us some really good insight because like i say this is something that i think everybody knew but we just didn't have the actual objective data to kind of prove it like so 
so yeah, I, I think it's an exciting paper and I'm really looking forward to seeing hopefully some some more follow-ups very, very soon. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. I, th- I mean, I think, is there anything else that we need to dive into with this, Liam, as well? Because I think it's a pretty yeah, almost cut and dry study, really, which is quite like one that obviously people are talking about, but um, in terms of like limitations or anything like that, uh, I couldn't see, uh, I mean, apart from the ones we've kind of discussed about real world, about, you know, away from draining, that kind of thing. Um, but you wouldn't want all of that in one study on its own. Uh, it feels pretty complete, really. It does. The only thing I would say is that it's, a, it's an acute study. Yep. So, you know, it may not fully represent the long-term metabolic response or, or whatever to protein ingestion. So I think that doing it over a period of time and seeing, you know, the results, I mean, I, I, w- I, I would... <laughs> I would speculate that they wouldn't be too dissimilar if you did it over a, a, a standard period of time, but still we don't know. Um, so, you know, that would be something to, to consider. And then obviously people with, you know, they have concerns around the effects of high protein intake. We don't know, you know, we, we know that the, there isn't too many negative effects when you do it from like a, a, a split dose across the day. But obviously if you're just eating one thing, like one, hundred grams of protein like even if you're you know relatively light like that's still on the lower end of your daily intake so like how do we practically approach it in terms of like do we just have one big hit you know in the in the morning or in the evening and then like two or three smaller doses do you have two massive doses is that better you know to kind of help maintain levels what's the impact in terms of other physiological functions like like i said there's so many much so many more things but no i don't i think they've done an incredible job i really do like it's a it's a really cool study very well done like say acute um then just hopefully it's it's the first step to a lot more um stuff mate so it will definitely for me obviously we will keep our eyes peeled on it because it it will definitely affect our you know dietary advice that we would give the clients yeah um potentially around like you say different scenarios if if you're someone that travels frequently if you're someone that has you know potentially long stretches where you may not have access to you know food such as shift works shift workers when they train you know when they when they work in the evenings and they've got you know 12 hour shifts like and it's it's full it's go and they and they don't have a set break you know nurses people in people in the emergency services like they're dictated by you know external factors so would we be able to kind of recommend them to be able to you know, utilize something like this strategy you know, to, to see better results? So I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. And it will definitely shape the, the advice that we'll be, giving, we'll, we'll be giving clients in the future. I'm, I'm sure of that. For sure. Uh, awesome. Cool. So cool. I think, that's yeah, that's a yeah. pretty nice, simple one. Um, uh, as we were actually going to, this, this, this study that we've dived into, obviously, because it was, popping off recently we wanted to get it done um the next kind of podcast that we're going to be releasing next week is going to be all to do with um muscle gain how to maintain muscles not muscle gain but maintaining muscle in a deficit so it's quite nice to kind of have this study kind of come out a bit before that because it may even feed into that podcast that we do when we chat about um muscle protein and and obviously we're always going to be chatting about protein so uh definitely a really useful one liam thank you very much for jumping on 
Um, yeah always a pleasure even though you do sound like you're underwater uh, I sadly 100 grams of protein it's not going to make that cold go away any quicker although maybe it will what is yeah who knows what is at this point um, but it's always a pleasure chatting to you uh, guys always. if you enjoyed this podcast we've got tons in the back catalogue now um, from the last year go back check them all out um, we'll do a little bit of a deep dive and link any kind of relevant ones to this as well because um, we've done podcasts before haven't we about kind of space and protein intake out across the day that yeah. sort of thing or well, we've at least touched on it in a bunch of different episodes so it's uh, it's nice to kind of almost have to not redact we're not going to redact anything based on this one study that made but it's nice to kind of look at the contextualize it within kind of new research that is coming out because it's always evolving this nutrition game that we play Um, so it's good to dive into it but yeah if you enjoyed this podcast check it out check us out obviously on ph nutrition for all our programs plans and that kind of thing and we will see you in the next one hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.